Welcome in. It is a Wednesday edition, hour number one, presented by Lasher Home Comfort Systems, family-owned and operated, servicing the greater Oklahoma City area now for over 15 years. Call them up. They will do great work for you. 405-579-3113. That's 405-579-3113. Yes, Parker is in from the get-go today from the jump. No media responsibilities uh, today over in, uh, in Norman, at least, uh, you know, during the, uh, the press conference hours from uh, like 11 to uh, 1215 or so. But uh, there, there's news, and it's not, not news that Sooner fans want to hear. Anthony Evans, the Sooner four-star commitment. Maybe one of the fastest wide receivers. No doubt he is, actually, one of the fastest wide receivers in high school football out of Converse Judson. Remember, it wasn't long ago when we thought that Anthony Evans was going to pick Georgia over Oklahoma. Yet, on that day, same day that Macari Vickers committed to Oklahoma, Anthony Evans did select the Sooners, and Oklahoma fans super fired up about that. Now we know November 5th. Anthony Evans will make an unofficial visit to Georgia. I'm tired, Steely. Parker Thune, that's not good. I'm just tired at this point. The amount of headaches that I'm going to have, the amount of questions that we're going to field regarding probably the same four or five players down the stretch in this cycle. And you just added just one now. absolutely maddening because – as if it wasn't already enough of a headache to be dealing with DJ Hicks, Peyton Bowen, Colton Vosick, and Ryan Yates, as well as Caden McDonald and Cecilia Kana simultaneously. Now you throw Anthony Evans on the pile. And look, this situation is very fresh. I don't know a whole heck of a lot yet. I mean, look, at face value, it's a really good game to go to. Georgia, Tennessee. Yeah, and right? that's that's kind of what I think, man. I'm like, man, I'd take that visit too to go see Georgia and Tennessee. That's one of the biggest games uh, of the year in college football. It's November 5th uh, in Athens, and that'll be a huge football game, biggest game of the weekend, no doubt about it. And maybe Anthony Evans is saying, you know what, that's a good game to go to. I could take it unofficial right there, be right there on the sidelines. But it does not look good, certainly uh, for OU. It doesn't mean he'll decommit. Doesn't mean again, that it's going to be an automatic situation. But it also, again, does it test the commitment policy again because we saw with Ashton Kozar it didn't work out very well. What about Anthony Evans? Again, it's an unofficial. Does that make a difference? What are you thinking right now when you see this news that he's taking that visit, unofficial visit to Georgia, talking about Anthony Evans, the four-star wideout from Converse Judson, currently committed to Oklahoma. What does it mean to you? Well, just knowing what I know about Evans in that situation, my, my instant thought is he's not going to flip because – Initially, it was a situation where, obviously, we talked about it all throughout the month of August. Things were trending Georgia, trending Georgia, trending Georgia uh, for the two, three weeks leading up to his commitment uh, after he'd been pro-Oklahoma for quite some time. And then, boom, OU managed to flip him literally about three or four hours before he took the podium to make his announcement. So, to me, the as I understood it regarding the Evans recruitment – it was a situation where, essentially, he wanted to be at Oklahoma and the family wanted him at Georgia. And in the end, he made the decision for himself. He picked the place where his heart was, and that was that. So, again, I don't know a whole heck of a lot yet just because this situation is so fresh. 
But my knee-jerk reaction would be to say, okay, it's probably the type of situation where he's out visiting family or something along those, because he's got a lot of family in the state of Georgia. That's part of the poll. He has an opportunity to go watch a really good football game between two national championship contenders right now. And he's got an opportunity to do it at a university that he's very familiar with. And so it's understandable to a certain extent. It does kind of make the alarm bells go off, though, if you're an Oklahoma fan, because it's becoming apparent that this whole visit policy thing is getting its limits pushed. And the Sooners decided to cut bait with Ashton Cozart. They decided to let him go his own way to Oregon. They took a bit of a different approach with Colton Vosick. What intrigues me about the news of this Evans visit is that it comes about a week and a half in advance. Right, so it's not as if he's trying to keep this a secret. It's not as if this is under wraps. Yeah, it's maybe, out there maybe, that he's visiting. Maybe he called the OU coach and said, hey, you know what? I'm going to go to Athens. I want to watch Georgia and Tennessee. Don't worry about anything. I mean, that's the best positive spin you could put on it. And, but, but there is no way to say this is good for OU. No way to say it's good no, for OU. No, it doesn't mean, not. again, you go into panic mode and think, well, here comes the decommitment, you know, uh, early November. Doesn't mean that either, but there's no way to spin this as a good situation for Oklahoma. Uh, Colton Vosick's situation, we talked about, you know, the games he, he's been to, the Alabama game, uh, and was it the uh, was it the Iowa State game he was at, or the West Virginia yes, game? Iowa okay, Iowa State game that he was at. Well, he's got uh, a Longhorn legacy. Dad played there, family, season tickets, all of that stuff. More understandable. This one doesn't look the same way, and you say that Anthony Evans has family in Georgia, so that's maybe there's some similarities there. But again, it's it's not a good situation for Oklahoma. Now, let's get into worst case scenario. All right, Anthony Evans. Let's say he decommits in a couple weeks and commits to Georgia. Does Oklahoma revisit recruiting Malachi Coleman, who just committed to Nebraska, of course, and? Uh, you know, because a lot of people are looking at Malachi Coleman's going to be a wide receiver. Yeah. You know, so would Oklahoma revisit, you know, going after Malachi Coleman? Well, I, I'd like to say yes, but honestly, I think plan B, I think, I, I think Malachi Coleman would probably be plan C. I think plan B is probably just go snag Micah T's. Because you know you got that one in your back pocket. Yeah, because right? they've you know been recruiting him that. as a DB, right? Yeah, And exactly. he wants to play wide receiver. And remember, there, the night before Anthony Evans committed to Oklahoma, when it looked like he was going to commit to Georgia, Oklahoma reached out to Mike Atis. LaDamian Washington had a phone call with him. And for a moment in time, it appeared as though OU was going to start pursuing Tease as a wide receiver. So, if Evans ends up decommitting... At the end of it all, I would say Tease is probably the first guy that gets the call from the OU staff. Interesting. So option A you think would be Micah Tease and maybe option B, Malachi Coleman. I keep getting somebody who texts me all the time. I've seen his kids tape Malachi Coleman, his highlights. He's an unbelievable athlete. There's got to be some baggage there or OU would be serious about this kid. But you say there's no baggage that you know of. No, there's no baggage. And look – uh, part of the reason why OU kind of cooled on Malachi Coleman is because, and we talked about this, not only the fact that numbers were getting tight at the tight end position, 
when you looked ahead to 2023, and numbers were getting tied across the whole roster. But with Malachi Coleman's physique, with the way he's built right now, the OU staff wasn't entirely sure that he was going to end up being a tight end, that they were going to be able to turn him into a tight end, that in all honesty and transparency, he may end up being more of a wide receiver than a tight end. And if you bring in a guy like that, does it scare off one of your commits at wide receiver, whether that's Jaquais Petaway or Keon Brown or Anthony Evans? And so there were a lot of apprehensions that OU had about the Malachi Coleman situation. And so uh, for the sum of those reasons, they ended up backing off. Now, Mike Atiz is not as fast as Anthony Evans. Very few in this recruiting class are. But it's, it's pretty close to a one-for-one straight-up replacement if you lose Evans and you turn around and go snag tees. Do you believe that Oklahoma would get Mike Tees if they say, you know yes. what, uh, wide receiver, you're, we're good there. Yes. We're good there. Yes. You do think if that OU would happen. recruited Mike Tees as a wide receiver, Mike Tees would be a Sooner. <laughs> From the 918 on the Air Coverage Solutions text line, is there ever going to be a day us OU fans are going to get some good news and can be happy for at least a day? Now, just, hey, just keep in mind here, folks, this was the same tune that was being sung back in May. And June, and then when July and August came around, it was good news on good news on good news day after day after day. And so, the narrative is going to turn. There will be brighter days ahead. It's just, (laughs) these days are not among them right now. This is what I have to keep telling myself, Steely. I have to keep reminding myself that "Eh, this is what we were enduring in May and June, and we made it through. Here's one uh, from the 405. These kids are using OU to bolster their NIL deals with other schools. Bolster their NIL deals at OU or bolster their NIL deals at other schools? I think, uh, you know, if you look at David Hicks, who uh, apparently, by all accounts, had told the Oklahoma coaches he was coming and then something changed. I think we kind of know what changed. But... uh, Maybe I, I think the thought is, well, Anthony Evans committed to Oklahoma, to Georgia. How bad do you want me, really? I'll, well, come, I'll come watch you play Tennessee, and we'll see what happens. Well, and here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's what I want to revisit. We haven't had this conversation in a minute, but it's pertinent more so than ever this week. If you got a kid that wants to go take a bag somewhere, do you really count it that big of a loss based on what's happened at Texas A&M over the last couple of months? The culture of cash doesn't seem to – they're not cashing in uh, in wins and losses right now, that's for sure. So, yeah, maybe, and, and, and if that's the case, we I don't know. You've talked to Anthony Evans, I'm sure. But uh, he's a really good prospect, as we've talked about, one of the fastest wide receivers in all of high school football. San Antonio area, Converse Judson, uh, was a great get. He committed on the same day that Macari Vickers committed to Oklahoma. It was one of the best days of the recruiting process so far in this class for Oklahoma. But, uh, you know, this is some news today again. Doesn't mean that it's a decommitment, uh, you know, in, in the making. But it certainly, again, there's no real positive way to spin that uh, for Oklahoma. So November 5th, an official, unofficial visit, I should say, unofficial visit 
Uh, Anthony Evans will go to Athens November 5th, and that is the date that the Bulldogs host Tennessee and what, what will probably be, and you know, unless something changes, the biggest college football game of the day, uh, November 5th, certainly up there, no doubt, uh, because you've got two national title contenders going at it in that game. All right, break time right here, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, I want to thank Lasher Home Comfort Systems. we got a ton of techs rolling in. We'll get to them all. Also, Matt Campbell, Iowa State coach, talking about Oklahoma. We'll have that coming up next here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. Wednesday edition of uh, Steelman and Thune here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Steely! Yes, sir. Oh, gosh. Uh-oh. Gold from Lane Kiffin. I, I was just, yes. I just Did saw you see your, this? Oh, so good. See, sometimes I fluctuate between Lane Kiffin's a total D-bag, and sometimes <laughs> I think Lane Kiffin is a national hero. Right now, I'm closer to national hero. You yeah, this, the tweet? Is, this tweet is definitely on the uh, national hero end of the spectrum. Per Travis L. Brown, Texas A&M reporter for the Eagle, the Bryan College Station Eagle, apparently. Ole Miss head coach Lane Kiffin said they tried to keep defensive coordinator DJ Durkin when he was being courted by the Aggies. Kiffin said, we got outbid. Kind of a common theme with that program. I love it. Score one Lane. for Lane Kiffin, a big W right there. Let's I go, Lane. It. Is Jimbo going to have a press conference? I know he had his <laughs> weekly press conference, but is he, he going to call a special press conference now again? Probably not this time. That's so good. Thank you, Lane Kiffin. Thank I need you. An thank immediate you, thank response you. from Jimbo. That's so good. I like it. All right, we're going to go to the Air Coverage Solutions text line, 405-651-3439, here in just a second. But first, Oklahoma-Iowa State, 11 a.m., coming up Saturday in Ames at Jack Trice Stadium. The Sooners are a slight favorite in this matchup with the Cyclones, a one-and-a-half-point favorite in the game. Our pregame show begins at 7 a.m. on the ref on a Saturday. Let's hear from Sooner coach Brent Vittables, who said uh, he expects a very tough one Saturday with Iowa State. We're going to have to play well in Ames, and they just say that. And For us to have the kind of finish that we want, we're going to have to play well. We don't have to play perfect uh, in any phase, but we got to be play, we got to play better. We got to play well. We got to complement each other. Uh, we can't do the things that beat you, you know, giving up big plays, not being able to run the football, uh, and, you know, turnovers, uh, you know, those are things that, uh, that'll beat you, um, and not give yourself a chance to win. Again, we're going to get everybody's a game, you know, every single buddy we play and, uh, no matter what their record is, uh, we're getting their best game and you know, our guys don't like it, man. They need to go somewhere else. This is a, 
a big stage and a program that represents excellence over a long period of time. And and so that's what we demand when we, we go, uh, you know, out on that field. And so uh, for us, I want our guys to embrace that, embrace that target, embrace the challenge, uh, embrace the challenge to get better. There you go. Brent Venables talking about the matchup with Iowa State. You want to hear from Matt Campbell? He's been under the weather. He didn't even meet with the media at his normal press conference situation. It was a Zoom press conference. Really? No, no audio. I mean, we did get audio, but no visuals of Matt Campbell. So he's expected to be fine on Saturday. But Zoom press conference audio is uh, not always what you would call high quality. In fact, a lot of the times it's complete crap. But uh, this was okay. Here's Matt Campbell uh, was asked yesterday at his presser what he sees in this Oklahoma team. You know, I, I think you see a team that obviously when their quarterback's been healthy, they've been as explosive as anybody in the conference. Um, you know, obviously a, a young man that knows the system really well um, has played and had, had has had a lot of success in the system. They still have dynamic playmakers at their skill positions and really have a running back on the offensive side that's playing really good football. Um, you know, you flip over to the defensive side and you see a team that's that's extremely multiple. I mean, you know, they're playing maybe three or four different structured defenses um, throughout the season so far. And so, I, you know, I, I think that what you what you saw, especially after the Texas game, they got their quarterback back. Um, you know, I think that they they've really tried to hone in on who they want to be across the board. And, you know, you saw maybe their best game of the season against Kansas. And those are Ortho Central clips of the day when injuries occur on Friday night. Ortho Central's Saturday Injury Clinic is open every Saturday from 8 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. throughout the month of October. Free evaluations for high school athletic sports injuries. Ortho Central turning setbacks into comebacks. So, yeah, and uh, talk about Eric Gray, sooner running back. Man, he's, he's had a really good season, continues to get better and better, and now is the national leader in yards per carry among running backs. So Eric Gray continues to thrive uh, for Oklahoma. And uh, you know what? The the Oklahoma offense is a little bit different with number eight, the Southpaw, in there at quarterback. Protect him at all costs is what you need to do. Keep him away from the headhunters like Jamoy Hodge of TCU, who I think has knocked out like four quarterbacks now, or at least I know he's knocked out two of them. But TCU, TCU knocks out a quarterback at least one every game, it seems like. Sonny Dykes, dirty football? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. There's no doubt that Jamoy Hodge hit on Gabriel was was all kinds of dirty, no doubt. How long do you think this undefeated run for TCU lasts? Because like you said, there have been been a lot of factors that have contributed to this run for the Horned Frogs that don't appear super sustainable, i.e. injuring starting quarterbacks. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, JT Daniels would be the target this week. Uh, <laughs> the you know, target. I guess. I mean, if they played the old school Raiders, they'd have Ken Stabler knocked out and George Blanda in the game pretty quick. But I don't know, man. They're pretty good. There's no doubt. Um, you know, the receiving core is really difficult to deal with. Quentin Johnson, of course, is the most difficult. And Max Duggan is having an unbelievable year. They have uh, they have to go to Austin, right? They've got West Virginia this weekend. That's a rooster kickoff in Morgantown. Uh, I know they have Texas on the road. They've got Tech in between. 
Tech at home in between West Virginia and Texas. They have to go to Austin, and they have to go to Waco in back-to-back weeks in November, and then they wrap it up with a home game against Iowa State. I don't think they can run the table. I think they'll lose – they got to lose one of those, right? I know Baylor's been a little bit – but to win back-to-back in Austin and Waco would be pretty impressive. Yeah, that's, you know? that's what I would consider the most likely pitfall is that trip to Waco. Yeah. Honestly. TCU has owned Texas. They have, they got yeah. Big 12. They have. And that, look, that does not get talked about enough. Sonny Dykes has done a really good job so far, there is no doubt. All right. Uh, Air Comfort Solutions tax line. You want to go there? Sure. Let's hit it. Patrick points out Ole Miss plays at Texas A&M Saturday. Should be fun. Oh, yes, yeah. that's yep. that's why Lane Kiffin was on the topic of DJ Durkin, on the topic of Texas A&M. Uh, Anthony Evans and Johnny Bowens are teammates, right? Asks one listener. Yes, they are teammates at Converse Judson. And Johnny Bones, of course, the four-star defensive lineman that the Sooners had been pursuing. This listener asks, is Jackson Arnold still committed to OU? If so, is he solid? See what you've done, Anthony Evans. Do you see what you've done now? It is matriculating down to, is Jackson Arnold solid? And, uh, you know, Jackson Arnold said, to your guy Brandon Drum, our Friday guest, OU Insider. Yes, he is. He's locked in to Oklahoma. Uh, and he said that uh, Saturday morning, or Friday morning. I'm sorry. I think it was after the uh, the Thursday night game between Geyer and Allen. Parker, you and Mike need to make a comedy bit called the Jimbo Fisher Auctioneering School. <laughs> do you have? An, can you do an auctioneer voice? I can't talk that. There fast. is a song called the Auctioneer that you could find. Maybe we could play it into the break. There's a little part where he does the he raps like an auctioneer. It's an old school kind of hillbilly song. It's pretty funny actually. I think Leroy Van Dyke did it. Believe it or not. I, See, that's my memory. You asked me something that happened like 20 minutes ago. I have no idea. But I think it was Leroy Van Dyke, the auctioneer. This listener, Redneck Mark, says, I'm good as long as we get Jackson Arnold. He's a game changer. Never seen a performance like I did last week. If that changes, I might just pick up soccer. There you go. I like And by the way, he tagged that Redneck Mark. That was Nud Parker's commentary there. Yes, no, that's... Like, that's, here we yeah. go, yep, that's Redneck... Oh, gosh, Redneck Mark's back. <laughs> uh, this listener says, Oh, you will fall out of the top ten in recruiting by the end of it. Oh, it's tough being a Sooner fan. That OU's, ain't true! No. OU's not going to fall out of the top ten. And the editor who put it out there is garbage! <laughs> uh, we need to just have... We, we need to have a whole bank of reaction <laughs> audio clips that we can play. Uh, this listener says, Parker, does OU have a shot with Desmond Ricks? Seeing where he reclassified. No, I think Desmond Ricks, right now, that recruitment is a battle between LSU, Alabama, and Florida. And uh, how, how can I say this delicately? Desmond Ricks isn't a cultural fit at Oklahoma. Hmm. So he's, he's looking for a payout. Again, I didn't say that, but if that's the if that if that's the conclusion you want to draw, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you're wrong. All right, uh, is Caden Green going on the Georgia visit too? Uh, no, no, absolutely not. In fact, I actually, Caden and I were on the phone for about 20 minutes last night just talking about. Uh, the whole recruiting situation and the pulse of oh, you recruiting guys like uh, Colton Vosick and 
Anthony Evans and Jackson Arnold. And Caden's one of those guys that's very heavily invested. He pays attention to everything that's going on. And uh, so here's the deal. Michigan had apparently tried to get back in contact with Caden Green. Their coaches had all re-followed mm-hmm. him on yeah. social media. They'd started hitting him up again. And Caden was just like, no, I'm done. And that's – look – Here's the thing. That's the case for the majority of the guys in Oklahoma's class here in 2023. And you said that also on Jackson Arnold. By the way, he told Brandon that Notre Dame was trying to get back in touch with him. And, uh, you know, he he said he would, like, answer a Marcus Freeman text or something because he just feels like it's the polite thing to do. But they also reached out to his dad, and his dad texted them back. Texted them back. He's committed to Oklahoma. Yeah. And so. Derek LeBlanc's not going anywhere. Caden Green's not going anywhere. Derek LeBlanc and Jackson Arnold seem like the two most solid uh, big-time recruits that are just, guess what, don't mess with me, it's Oklahoma all the way. Yeah, and you can throw Samuel Masigo, Makari Vickers, P.J. Adabare, all those guys, and more. Yeah. Dalen Smothers has been super vocal about his love for OU on social media. Dalen Smothers is from North Carolina, Steely. Again, if there's a short list of guys that you just look at from an outsider's perspective and say, okay, I can see him starting to waver based on how things are trending for OU and recruiting, Dalen Smothers would be darn near the top of that list. Four-star running back. Yeah, he's tweeted out a lot of, a lot of positive stuff again and uh, says he's completely uh, still bought in with Coach V and the Sooners. All right, we'll take a break right here. Thank you, Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. They'll do great work for you, 405-579-3113. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you, radio friends all around, aren't we? Yes, we are. Hit us up, Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. We'll get back to all of your texts next here on The Ref. Jimbo, how do you caution younger players from hitting the panic button on what you're trying to build here? Well, I mean, listen, here's what you tell them. Everything you do is put on film, and you're, you're playing. I always say you're playing for your life. You are, because every play you play, somebody's evaluating it. You know what I mean? Your pros, the guys, your teammates, everything do. Just play and have faith in what you got to do. And they, as crazy as it sounds, because our guys, the way we're playing hard and the things they see, and we show it on film. I mean, Look at what we, it's right here. It's, and if we do this, this, and this, it's right here. And the plays we make, whether it's offense or defense, and they see. And it's not, and they're frust- not frustrated, but you know, disappointed. We don't make as didn't make them, but they understand how we're. When like I say we're t- trying to educate, teach, and we got to find different ways to teach, find different ways to make sure we're asking them to do the right things. But they buy in and see, see how they're playing, how hard they play. We just got to get get them to play better, and we got to coach them better and keep doing. I keep saying it's like a broken record. It's right there. But that part of it right now, our guys believe and they're into it. We've, we've talked to them and communicate with them every day about it. And we're not where we want to be. No one's happy. I promise you that. Oh, yes. <laughs> Dueling Jimbo's, ladies and gentlemen. 
So we learned that the uh, the Aggie weed story was not a real story, but we do at least that's that wasn't the reason why it was Denver Harris, Chris Marshall, and PJ Williams who got suspended. The three players. Oh, Steely, that was one of the greatest things that's ever been aired on this show. I love how as the music starts getting faster, Jimbo starts talking faster. <laughs> Old Jimbo <laughs> Fisher. Uh, anyway, so yes, the uh, the Aggie weed story was uh, how you say uh, not accurate. Wait, what? If the Aggie weed story has been retracted, that's not what happened. Something it, else. It's happened been there. retracted. Yes, it was. Uh, who who did the? Was it uh, Clay Travis? Uh, what's the stupid thing? Outkick. Outkick. Yeah, it was outkick. So, but that doesn't mean they're suspended. They were suspended for something else. But it was it was good to run with for a day, even though it wasn't, as Mike Getty would say, that ain't true. It should be true, though. I mean, when you hear that and you think of the A&M culture, then it, it just automatically almost made sense. To me, anyway. On the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Parker, is there any truth to the rumors that Texags is pursuing you? <laughs> Anything to do with NIL? Just want to confirm right here and now, I will not be the next reporter at Texags. Much like George Bailey, I cannot be bought to the dark side. Have you ever been uh, to College Station? I have never been that, to that's College one place Station. Proper, I've never no. been. I never went to a road game there. Now, again, I know kind of all about some of the the Aggie traditions, but I've never actually been to College Station. It, is that a city that's A uh, and M is is the most cultish program in the country, right? I would say without question, yes. I mean, is the ATF going to send tanks over to <laughs> College Station one day and? That's really not very funny, but it seem it, they do seem very cultish. On the text line, one listener asks, "How much did Jimbo pay for the retraction?" <laughs> yeah. yeah, who knows? All right, four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine Air Comfort Solutions text line. They are rolling in right now. Uh, Emmanuel Crawford. Somebody's asking about him. If Anthony Evans does eventually decommit, the news today, ladies and gentlemen, is that Anthony Evans, the four-star wide receiver. From Converse Judson, just outside San Antonio, has announced that, uh, well, he didn't really announce it, but on three, I guess, uh -huh. uh, said that it was going to be an unofficial, unofficial visit to Georgia November 5th when the Bulldogs host Tennessee, and people are, uh, are a little freaked out about that. They're, actually, there are a lot of freaked out about that, Sooner fans. So, we'll see. Tell me about Emmanuel Crawford. So, Emmanuel Crawford, this is interesting. Uh, Emmanuel Crawford is from Grove, Oklahoma. About five foot ten, 185 pounds. Absolute lightning rod. Kid has been insanely productive over the course of uh, his senior season to date up at Grove High School. Super intriguing prospect. And as I mentioned, you look at the numbers, you look at what he's done as a senior, it's kind of hard to fathom that the kid hasn't gotten more collegiate looks than he has. He's got some D2 offers. He's got some FCS offers. He's got the service academies after him. But, man, that's one of those guys where I, – and I don't, I'm not trying to draw a parallel between him and Gavin Freeman, 
because they're they're not the same player by a long shot. But much like Gavin Freeman, he's one of those guys where I think you you wouldn't hate it if OU threw a preferred walk on slot his way and said, "Hey, come on down. Let's see what you can do in the crimson and cream." Because look, is he is he the type of guy that people are going to be satisfied with if you replace Anthony Evans with him? Probably not. And is he a surefire scholarship guy at the University of Oklahoma? Right now, probably not. But you can't argue with the production. You can't argue with the traits. And you looked. You look at what Gavin Freeman did as a senior. There were people that were still iffy as to whether he was a Power 5 caliber football player. He's already blown that narrative out of the water through seven games as an Oklahoma Sooner and is contributing a whole heck of a lot more than a lot of the scholarship guys that OU brought in in his class. So Emmanuel Crawford's is certainly intriguing, and I, I, like, I would not hate it if that were the type of kid that OU were to extend a PWO opportunity to. But you said earlier, if you're just joining us, that, again, the news today, Anthony Evans uh, going to take an unofficial visit, Sooner four-star wideout recruit from San Antonio, yeah. uh, going to take an unofficial to Athens, Georgia, when the Bulldogs host Tennessee. So uh, we were just thinking, all right, let's say the, the worst situation happens. We don't, you know, this doesn't mean that there's going to be a decommitment from Anthony Evans. Like I said, there's no real positive way to spin this for OU. But it doesn't mean there's going to be a decommitment. But if, if that does happen, you think Micah Tees would be option number one for OU? I do think Micah Tees would be option number one just because you think back to the last time that Anthony Evans' commitment status was in question when it looked like he was going to go to Georgia in the first place. Oh, you reached out to Micah Tees. That was their immediate recourse. Go start recruiting Micah Tease as a wide receiver. Now, that lasted less than 24 hours because it took less than 24 hours for the worm to turn, as it were, and for Anthony Evans to flip to Oklahoma uh, from Georgia. But if there were a circumstance in which Anthony Evans were to decommit, and again, I do not consider that the likelihood right now, but if that were to happen, I think Micah Tease would be the first guy that OU reaches out to. He is com- currently committed to Arkansas. And correct. That and is correct. The, uh, the uh, Oklahoma wanted him. They've been recruiting him as a defensive back, but he wants to play wide receiver. Maybe they could DJ Graham him. Well, DJ Graham him in what sense? Well, you know, DJ Graham came in wide receiver, moved to corner, and then uh, now he's back at wide receiver. Well, I don't know. I don't think Brandon would be that kind of guy, actually. he If he tells you he's going to do something and they're going to recruit him uh, as a wide receiver, then they would give him every opportunity to become uh, a player and, uh, you know, um, have a chance to play wide receiver. This listener says, Steely, I can't believe that you dated a girl that went to A&M. Yeah, neither can I. That was like almost 30 years ago. I mean, that was a long, long time ago. Long time ago. I, I never imagined it either, but, you know, it just, it just kind of happened. And then I, I didn't know initially she was an A&M Aggie, but it was a long time ago. Well, and now it's a fun anecdote for the radio. And that's how I got to a Friday Yale practice. I went to one of those, and it was it was uh, fun but creepy. This listener says, I'm amazed OU has the success they do in recruiting. 
What is their sales pitch exactly with 11 a.m. kickoffs every week in an inferior conference? <laughs> great players want to play with great players and against great players. That ain't the Big 12, and that ain't 11 a.m. week after week after week. Well, guess what? I don't know if this comes as news to anyone at this point, but Oklahoma is moving to the SEC, Steely. That is a yes. thing that's happening. They have a pretty good football tradition. Since 1950, you can look at a lot of the numbers, and Oklahoma comes out number one with a lot of those numbers. So, uh, anyway, I, I think that the thing is, though, you got to start winning some football games, man. This game at Iowa State is huge coming up this weekend because we talked about it the other day. You know, how do you lose these commitments? How how would it go down? Well, you know, you finish four four and eight or something like that. Then it becomes tough to stay committed because everybody in the country is like, Oklahoma's going to the SEC. Did you see they just dropped off a four and eight? Really? Then it becomes more difficult. But, you know, if the Sooners can win out, you know, if they win out, that would be unbelievable. If they could win four of five, that would be tremendous. If they could win three of five, that would be beneficial to finish above 500, obviously. But guess what? This Iowa State team, maybe three and four, but that's a pretty good football team. They're not great offensively, but you're going to have a challenge on your hands uh, in Ames coming up on Saturday. Just try and go there, get a W, and then come back and uh, – you know, host the Baylor Bears and try and build a little winning streak, some momentum to finish out the season. All right, break time right here. We've got more in the Air Coverage Solutions text line. We have Jesse Crittenden joining us at 135 next hour here on The Ref. Closing out hour number one, I want to tell you about uh, Riverwind Casino. They also sponsor our hotline, 405-329-9000. Riverwind always has the uh, best promotions happening. And they've got a good one coming up, the Bedlam Beats and Bites Festival, an outdoor concert Friday night, November 18th, featuring the Eli Young Band and Wade Bowen as the opening act. That's going to be outdoors at Riverwind Casino, also presented by Phillips 66. Tickets are only 5 bucks at the box office and at Riverwind.com. Bedlam Beats and Bites, outdoors, under the lights, Friday night, November 18th. Bring your folding chairs, bring the kids, bring your appetite, because all those great food trucks are going to be out there. If you haven't been to a Beats and Bites show, or maybe you have, and sometimes in the summer it can get a little hot out there. This should be a pleasant night. Might even be a little bit chilly, but it is going to be sizzling on stage with the Eli Young Band and Wade Bowen. 
and you can go see them again Friday night, November 18th for only 5 bucks. Tickets are available for 5 bucks at the box office inside the casino or at Riverwind.com. Another reason why Riverwind Casino is simply the best. All right, Sooner Exhibition basketball last night. They take down the Stars of OCU, 89-53, Grant Sherfield. Uh, had 14, the uh, transfer from Nevada. Tanner Groves had 12. Otega Owe, the freshman, had 11. Milo Zuzan had 11 for Oklahoma. The Sooners were only 6 of 26 from 3, but they win their exhibition opener. Here is Porter Moser on uh, the first showing of this new-look team. You know, it's the it was the first time. With, uh, a lot of them were OU uniform for the first time. We, we were really mixing and matching a lot of lineups. Um, and uh, But I, I thought... For the most, I mean, they shot 29%. So defensively, you know, I've, you've been doing it long enough. You'll see an exhibition team, and all of a sudden they shot 46%, and you're sitting there going, "Man!" So I think defensively, um, we did some nice things. You know, I, I think our assist numbers would have been way up. I, I just thought we missed a, a bunch of threes, and I'm I'm not concerned about. It. I think we'll 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 make those shots moving forward. There you go. So a uh, decent crowd last night at the Lloyd Noble Center. The Sooners win by 36, and the Thunder won its first game of the year last night. Oh no, 108 to 94. I know. So a victory, but not a victor. That that's yeah. right. That's exactly right. Count that as a loss in the Wimbenyama sweepstakes. Uh, SGA, we didn't think he was going to play last night. He did play. Scored 33, had eight assists. Josh Giddy didn't play. Uh, for the Clippers, uh, we knew that Paul George wasn't going to play. Uh, Kawhi, they, they really didn't say a whole lot, but, uh, you know, he's been playing this year. Uh, did not play last night. Trey Mann had 25 for Oklahoma City. The Thunder shot four of 30 from three-point range. That's 13% and still won the game by 14 108 to 94. OKC will host this same Clippers team. Maybe a different lineup, though, coming up Thursday night at 7 o'clock and Saturday at the Mavericks at 8 o'clock. On the topic of Sooner basketball, Steely, I get it's an exhibition against a far inferior opponent, but. Mm-hmm. Man, you get the sense that Milos Yuzon is going to be a player. They're going to be more athletic. There's Hello. no doubt. They're going to have a lot more scoring, and they are going to be more athletic. Now, look, you lose Mo Gibson, a guy like that, who is a big-time three-point shooter for you. It hurts. But uh, I do think they're going to be more athletic, and they'll have more options to score the ball. And they, they should be better defensively, too. They've got, they've got and again, they didn't have Bijan Cortez last night. They didn't have Luke Norweather last night, the seven-foot freshman from Missouri. And I – I think, again, the Big 12 is a very tough conference, but I think they've got a chance. You know, I think they've got a chance to uh, to get to the tournament this year, and they just missed out last year. Yeah, we know Grant Sherfield's going to be a stud. Joe Bamasil looks like he's going to be a stud as well. The question for me, and, it, you know, it's been a common question in years past for Oklahoma, really ever since Trey Young's one-and-done campaign, uh, dating back to uh, – even the Buddy Heald days, because in Buddy Heald, and then you had a year in between Heald and um, Trey Young, obviously. But for that period of time, you had one guy that you knew you could rely on to be a dead-eye outside shooter, right? Mo Gibson has been that guy the last couple of seasons for Oklahoma, but now he's out the door. By the way, do you know he ended up at DePaul, of all places? You know, I forgot about that. Isn't that crazy? He transferred to DePaul. Which is just bizarre to me. Hmm. Um, uh, they still have Mark Aguirre and Terry Cummings and all those guys that played <laughs> way back in the day, like 
Mark Aguirre was there in 1979, so that would have been a long time ago. Yeah, you know, actually, ago. Porter, uh, at the uh, OU Club of Fort Worth meeting that Travis Davidson and I went to before OU Texas, that was one thing Porter talked about. He was like, listen, when I was growing up, that was that was the golden age hey, of DePaul, DePaul basketball. basketball, yeah. Ray Meyer finally got to the Final Four, and they had some uh, – then his son Joey took over the program. They had Terry Cummings and Mark Aguirre and – uh, some really good players back in the day. Dallas Comages was there. They they had some squads. By the way, from the two eight one on the Air Cover Solutions text line, they deleted the Evans visit no, they, tweets. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. They tweeted and the, the initial edit that they tweeted had the wrong date on it, so they deleted it and re-uploaded it. Oh, okay. So um, what, what is the date? Is it still November fifth? November fifth. Um, okay. All right. But yeah, that's kind of that's kind of my one concern with this OU basketball team heading into the 22-23 season is who's going to be the outside shooter? Yeah, Who's going to be the three-point threat? Who's going to be the guy that keeps you honest from behind the arc? It could be a multiplicity of guys. And look, I think most everybody on this roster can step up and hit a three when the moment calls for it, but I don't know if there's necessarily a guy that you're terrified of when he gets the ball behind the arc. And, yeah, the new Mo Gibson has not shown himself yet on this roster. And, again, it's only one exhibition game. But I do think they have a lot more options this year on both sides of the floor, offense and defense. So, And uh, we know that Porter Moser can coach already. He's just got to get, you know, more athletes in the program, and it looks like he's done that. All right, thank you to Lasher Home Comfort Systems for sponsoring the first hour. We've got another hour to go. Jesse Crittenden at 1235. More of your texts coming up as well. Keep it here in the home of Sooner fans, the ref. Yes, welcome back. We are going to be talking uh, here on Steel Man and Thune for at least another 55 minutes or so. And then you're going to get locked in with uh, Parker and Tyler McComas right here on the home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. Hope your Wednesday's going along well. Want to thank the Seth Wadley Auto Group, as we always do, for sponsoring our number two, Exit 72. Exit 72 right off I-35 into Paul's Valley, America for a great deal on a car, on a truck, an SUV, pre-owned vehicle. They have a great selection. And, again, that amazing guarantee, oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. All right, it doesn't cost you anything to tune in to the Ref pregame show Saturday morning beginning at 7 a.m. It is a rooster kick between the Sooners and Iowa State at 11 a.m. on Saturday at Jack Trice Stadium. It'll be on Fox Sports 1. Again, our pregame coverage right here on the Home of Sooner Fans begins at 7 a.m. Let's hear from Brent Venables right now. Again, the Sooners are at 4-3, and three, trying to fight, scratch, and claw 
out uh, a great finish down the stretch in the final five games. Brent said yesterday at his presser, there are always going to be challenges no matter your record. You say Oklahoma uh, was 7-0 right now, right? We'd be the, the talk in college football and everything else. There's still going to be the chaos going on outside you know, those walls. And here we are at 4-3 and three and there's whatever, chaos, uh, if you will. And to me, you got to have calmness through all of it. And to me, the more chaotic it gets, for me personally, the quieter it gets. Always has, for whatever reason, uh, always will. And, and you, you believe in, in a way that you do things. You believe in, in, in you know, what it takes. And then you just go, go about your business. You know, to me, again, we've seen what we're capable of when we put it all together. All right? And uh, that's what I want to see. That's my expectation every single week. Uh, when we put it all together, you know, that's the expectation. It's going to be our, four, you know, our best four quarters of football is going to happen this Saturday in Jack Trice Stadium. And we got a lot to do with that, but we got a lot of work to do. You know, it's still going to be about the work we put in this week. And, you know, hopefully our guys will stay uh, consistent and do the little things right over and over and over and over and over until we can't get it wrong. All right, Iowa State ran the non-conference 3-0. They beat Iowa, and, uh, you know, Iowa has no offense. But, again, Iowa State won that game. They've dropped four games in a row in the Big 12, including their last game in Austin. Had a great chance to win and just couldn't get it done against the Longhorns. They have lost all four games in the Big 12 Conference by a combined 14 points, so they've been in every game. This is still a good football team. Matt Campbell said his team isn't going to quit even after those four straight losses. I think that's that's always a challenge. You know, I think that'll be something that, man, until we can get back on the field and play, we'll really know where that's at. But, I, again, I think one of the things that I, I'm – I take great pride in this group and this team is, man, even even as as gut-wrenching as it was to get into that locker room after the game against Texas, I think the spirit and the soul of this team has been one of resiliency and the ability to create great momentum. And, you know, I think one of the things that we talked about, you know, in the in the in the bye week was, man, we're gonna self-reflect. We're going to do everything in our power to fundamentally and physically get ourselves healthy. And then let's do a great job of creating great momentum for ourselves for the second half of the season. And, you know, I, I think what I watched from our kids, they were fantastic through through the bye week. I do think a little part of the, the mental health um, has to do with the physical health of this team, too, because I would say it was probably as wore down and physically um, beaten as we've been you know, at the end of that game at Texas. So I think it came at a great time. And I think both of those have an opportunity to really rebound um, as we kind of get into this week. All right, Parker, what is your uh, gut feeling right now as we're uh, three days away from Oklahoma, Iowa State? What's your gut feeling about how this one plays out? I feel good about the Sooners heading up to Ames. Then again, this game, Steely, like Iowa State always gives Oklahoma a run for their money. Every single year, it feels like, man. You go back to 2017 when the Sooners looked to be well on their way to running roughshod over the Big 12 and maybe being the number one overall team in the nation heading into the college football playoff. Iowa State comes to Norman as something like a 25-point underdog and pulls one over on OU. 2018, the Sooners went up there to Ames. Last time they were there under normal circumstances. And they had to hold the Cyclones off. They won the football game behind Kyler Murray and that explosive offense. But Iowa State gave them a run for their money. Same thing in 2019 in Norman. Oklahoma enters the fourth quarter of that game up 42-21. to 
by the end of it, with less than a minute left, they need Parnell Motley and Nick Benito to come up big, deflecting a pass on a two-point conversion to preserve a 42-41 to win. Obviously, Iowa State hosts Oklahoma in 2020, knocks them off in Ames. OU would get revenge later that year in the Big 12 championship, but that was one that the Sooners had to sweat out till the final whistle, 27-21, to the score in that football game. Uh, what happened last year? They played Iowa State on senior day. I remember. Mm-hmm. I, I have no recollection as to what the final score of that game was. Caleb Williams had a pretty nice day, if I remember correctly, and uh, the Sooners obviously won the game. Uh, I'm trying to think back. Because that was the week before Mule Shoe left. So It was, really, wasn't the, it? Yeah, that's right. That, that, that game just does not exist in my memory. Sooners Bedlam won, exists very vividly. Sooners won at 27-21. Actually, Caleb's game was not very good. It was 6-18. of 18. Caleb Williams did have a game. 8-18, of 18, 87 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Kennedy Brooks ran for 115 yards, and uh, the Sooners, again, won the game 28-21. So, 28-21, that was the final score? Mm-hmm. Ugh. Maybe that's why I don't remember that game. It was just disgusting. Caleb Williams threw for uh, one TD and ran for one touchdown. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of – how is that – I was kind of the same when I was thinking about what did – I, I remember Oklahoma won the game, obviously, but I also – because they obviously lost down the stretch to Baylor and then they then they beat Iowa State and then they went to Stillwater and lost and Muleshoe got in the black SUV and was gone for good. But, um, yeah, that game, I don't know – I. Why is that game such a hard one to remember? Because I guess it was right after Baylor, and again, sandwiched in between Baylor and Bedlam. Exactly. And all the stuff that was happening. And you remember the Baylor game because of the myriad storylines that played into that contest. And, of course, you remember Bedlam because of everything that happened in the aftermath. But the game that fell in between those two just gets lost in the recesses of your mind. At least it has for me. In hindsight, I remember Jalen Redmond having the, the thick six, as we later dubbed it. But that's it, man. I remember nothing By the way, that happened in that football game. Uh, Shoe uh, went ballistic in the Baylor game, remember, when the uh, he felt like uh, the players were in danger. Did you see, by the way, I got a Seth Carter sent me. It's on my, uh, it's on my Twitter account. Uh, a dude who got speared by a sailfish. Really? Yes, you need to go check it out right now. says, this is what we want to happen to Muleshoe. And there's a sailfish with his uh, right there. It's right through the guy's leg. And he's just uh, either it's a totally fake video or it's a guy that it didn't hit anything of significance besides flesh and the uh, sailfish is flopping around. It might be a fake. Who knows? But we have said uh, if Muleshoe could get speared by a sailfish and it didn't hit any major arteries or cause any permanent damage, then we'd be all for that. Or you said that too, right? Yes. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I've done, I've never been I, – I don't wish bodily harm upon mm-hmm. mule shoe. There's no bodily there. harm. It's just a flesh wound like Monty Python's Meaning of Life. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, I guess – Older reference lost on younger host. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's commenting on the text line about how Iowa State last year was the game where Perrion Winfrey That's murdered right. Brock Purdy. That, oh, man, that was. That happened. 
that was a legendary moment in Perry on Winfrey history. How do you guys not remember? Well, Kendall, I'll tell you, I'm 60. That's how. I don't really have an excuse. I'm not Short-term 60. memory. If we just need a cricket sound effect, now we check in with Steely's short-term memory and <laughs> just crickets chirping. Uh, this listener says, how does everyone feel good about Iowa State? Their D is just good enough to slow us down, and our D is just bad enough to make yeah, them look I mean, better. And, like, that's, that's my big thing heading into this weekend, Steely, is you can't make this team look better than they are because they're not a great offensive team. Well, and here's the deal. I Look, I'm, I'm at about 55% for Oklahoma winning this game. I, I mean, I do I think they're going to win? I think they're going to win a – a close one, but am I super confident? Absolutely not. I cannot get super confident yet because I'm still trying to figure out, all right, is this Oklahoma team really over the last five games going to be closer to the team we saw in Lincoln or closer to the team we saw in Fort Worth and the Cotton Bowl? That's what we're trying to figure out. And again, that was a nice win over Kansas. And it's when you don't have Dylan Gabriel for the six and a half quarters you know we know what the what the alternative is and it, it, it it's not good it's very no. uh ugly offensively but if you can keep dylan gabriel healthy i think you'll have a chance in in every game to get the dub but we'll see the defense i don't know we just don't know the answer to that well, Parker, do you think you have a, which one would you say they're closer to nebraska or fort worth in the cotton bowl i Probably I, I don't know if they're Nebraska because again for eight of those quarters you you only had Dylan Gabriel for one and a half quarters I and he had a bad day throwing the football remember he missed some throws yeah, in, in the TCU yeah. game remember what happened to the where the onslaught began they Marvin Mims they fumbled the ball on the third play of the from scrimmage you know and and it was on and then you get Gabriel I mean it was the recipe for disaster and the Cotton Ball was like. Trying to take, you know, almost the equivalent of me playing quarterback into the Cotton Bowl. You playing quarterback might have been an upgrade. Could, maybe. Um, you know. I don't I'm know if they're terribly. I've got a five five forty going right now. Really? So, yeah. No. Five not. five. I, I was don't know. About what to say it's pretty impressive for being sixty. It could be like a six two. I don't know. Okay. Who knows? Um, I don't know if they're terribly close to where they were in Lincoln. I don't know if they're terribly co- close to where they were in Fort Worth. Here's the thing. I've mentioned this several times. This feels very 2018-esque, does it not? And you think back to that 2018 season, the Sooners were 11-1 and in regular season play. They just as easily could have been 7-5. and And I feel that way about the last five games on Oklahoma's schedule. Brent Menable said it yesterday. We could win every game. We could lose every game from here on out. I have no idea how any of these five remaining games swing because Oklahoma does have an explosive and prolific offense, but you can't count on winning football games when your defense is playing this way. You can't count on being able to score 52 points week in and week out. And based on what I heard yesterday, I don't think Billy Bowman's going to play unless there's a big recover that happens recovery that happens like in three days i'm not totally ruling him yeah, out but from based on what i heard i don't think it's going to happen feels like they're going to be uber cautious with him yeah all right break time right here we've got a ton ha ha that's a fake video from a movie scene oh the sailfish incident i i'm extremely gullible man extremely gullible so i don't know it was sent to me and i thought yeah that looks kind of real to me uh Ladonna from lubbock is she making fun of us because we can't remember the iowa state game it looks like it 
She says, I'm 55. I think the previous tweet said, I can remember the game, and I'm 55. Those five years make a big difference, LaDonna. Big difference. All right, stay with us. Coming right back here on The Ref. We are back. We have Jesse Crittenden joining us on the uh, Riverwind Casino Hotline coming up next segment, 405-329-9000, covering the Sooners for the Norman Transcript. Mike Steely along with Parker Thune on your Wednesday edition right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Pre-game begins at 7 a.m. for OU Iowa State right here on the ref Saturday morning. All right, let's get to it. The Air Comfort Solutions text line. 405-651-3439. They are rolling in. So let's do it. I was just tweeted the lead of an AP story detailing a sailfish attack. Really? If it can be called an attack. Hmm. Okay. Here, here's how it goes. Uh, this happened in Florida because, of course, it did. Stewart, Florida. A 70-year-old woman was stabbed by the bill of a 100-pound sailfish that leapt out of the water and attacked her as her companions were trying to reel it in on a boat near the Florida coast, authorities said. The sailfish stabbed the woman from Arnold, Maryland, in the groin area with its pointed bill on Tuesday while she was standing in the boat as two companions tried to bring it in on a fishing line about two miles offshore from Stewart, Florida. So there you go. Uh, like, wow, how about that? If Muleshoe were to be speared by a sailfish in the groin area, I have no doubt that you'd find a way to work it into the material of every single radio show for the I don't think of did he go deep sea fishing this year because you know he used to tweet that stuff out all the time, but then, you know, plus now they limit what you can see because <laughs> you talk about getting destroyed on Twitter the first month or so. I mean, everything tweeted out was just absolutely destroyed in ratio. It, it was pretty good, fun to watch. Yeah, and you and were front and center in all of it, too. I, now I didn't tweet. Did I tweet at Mule Oh, yeah, you did. Did I really? Oh, yes, I you did. I don't remember that, really. Uh-huh, there's that sh- short-term memory again. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, I, I'm angry. I'm still angry. Like I said, you don't diss... The University of Oklahoma or the state of Oklahoma. You don't do that. You don't Not on Steely's watch. No, you don't think you're too good for this state. You're from freaking Muleshoe, Texas. Steely, you worked in Wichita Falls for a while. Yeah, but I'm not um, from Wichita. Well, well I where, mean, where, where, but Mule, but Wichita Falls is a metropolis, though, next to Muleshoe. Yeah, I understand. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's my point. Wichita Falls is about as close of a frame of reference as you have to Muleshoe. What did you think of Wichita Falls when you were there? I, it was a fine place. Shepard Air Force Base was there, and, uh, you know, 
it was a fine place. Four years there. Working back when I was in TV back in the day and had to, you know, put on the makeup and fix my hair and all that stuff. Now you see what I'm in, a T-shirt and a cap. This is a lot better. This option's a lot better. Parker, yeah, you- I noticed, by the way, I was getting out of my car. Mm-hmm. I parked next to you. Uh oh. At the uh, when I when I got to the station, I was getting out of my car. I noticed you got an extra golf shirt just hanging in the back. Oh yeah, just in case you got to hit the links. You never know. You've got to have break in case of emergency kind of situation there. Absolutely. All right. Four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. Apparently, there's some different reports on Billy Bowman might be playing. Yeah, it, what are you thinking? So he, and we talked about this yesterday. I I would tend to believe that OU is going to be uber cautious with Billy Bowman, but then again, this has been the target date for his return, uh, really ever since that injury that he suffered in Fort Worth. Yeah. So he he didn't play against Texas, he didn't play against Kansas. The Game day was, decision, you think? The thought was you bring him back against Iowa State on the other side of the bye. I just I and perhaps this is me putting too much stock into the way that OU has treated previous injury situations this season when you look at guys like R. Mason Thomas and Marcus Stripling being held out of action when maybe they didn't need to. Uh, Brent Venables did say yesterday that Billy Bowman is just one of those guys that is going to try to rush everything along just because he wants to be on the field so badly. I I had a conversation with Nick Oson of Cyclone Alert yesterday, jumped on his podcast a previous game, and I said this. I said, I, I'd consider Billy Bowman questionable. Mm. If he plays, great. If he doesn't, you know what? Oklahoma will figure it out. And I think Damon Harmon is another guy uh, that's getting close to being able what to play What a great again. story that is, by the way. Yeah. Very, what a great story because that was a scary deal, man. Very glad it was nothing more severe than a concussion for him. And so – He's going to be back soon here. I, I've, I was told there was there's a chance Harmon is back this weekend. Again, how much of an abundance of caution are you going to take, though? That becomes the question. If there's, if there's one opponent where you can afford to sit out a key secondary cog, it's probably Iowa State just because they don't throw the ball terribly effectively. So I, I don't know, man. It wouldn't shock me if Billy Bowman does play. It wouldn't shock me if he doesn't. Yeah, and and that's kind of where we are now. When based on what I heard from Brent, it sounded uh, I'm more on the side of he's not going to play. But you never know what a coach is trying to do up there at the podium. So um, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I think that uh, I would lean towards him not playing, but we'll have to wait and see. Saturday would be good news for Oklahoma fans if he runs out there and he plays because that's a different secondary with Billy Bowman out there. You know. Probably their best defensive player. Gunny um, of Stutzman Army says, The great thing about Wichita Falls, Texas, is it's only five miles from the great state of Oklahoma. Yes, it is. Uh, the, the TV market is uh, Wichita Falls Lawton. I guess that's true, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. yeah. Well, they, there are a bunch of little small towns up around there, too, aren't they? Like Petrolia. Yes, Burke Burnett's. Uh, Burke Burnett. Vernon's yeah. not too far away. Uh, Archer City. Where they shot the last picture show, the last picture show, which is a a what what was that movie made? I think it was that like nineteen sixty nine or nineteen early seventies, famous movie, 
Uh, well, Peter Bogdanovich, it was a young Sybil Shepherd. Who you have no idea who Sybil Shepherd is? No, I don't. But a young Jeff Bridges was in that movie, also. Wow. Okay. Who became uh, Jeffrey Lebowski, and uh, it, it's a well-known, famous film, and it was shot uh, there in Archer City, Texas. Okay. Black and white movie, by the way, but it's it's a good one. I haven't been down that way in a minute. I think last I made that trip was last October to watch Kobe McKenzie. He was playing in Wichita Falls hmm. that night. Was he really? He was a Lubbock kid, right? Yeah, Lubbock Cooper. That is a King of the Hill reference. Yes, Electra, Texas. That's right. Uh, yeah, I got it. That was the time when they went to the convenience store and ran into the Sooner fans there in uh, the Wichita Falls area. Famous King of the Hill scene. Well, not really famous, but for OU fans, uh, the the scene is well known. All right, uh, 405-651-3439. Uh, do we have time to get, like, one or two more in before we break? Let's, do that? See. Let's see what else is happening on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Do you think a good game against Kansas into a bye week helped Gabriel if he did have the yips earlier in the season? It definitely couldn't have hurt. He threw the football better. You know, ironically, again, there was a pick and there was a fumble, but uh, he – that was a two fumbles, that, actually. That was his best game, right? Yeah. Well, did he not throw a pick, too? And it's weird, isn't it? Because on the, Dylan Gabriel didn't turn the ball over at all for the first five games of the season, and the fans yeah. wanted his head. Yeah. Then he turns the ball over three times in the same game. They're going, that's the best game I've seen from Dylan Gabriel as a Sooner. Yeah, it's all about, you know, the so many of the overthrows, again, were on in crucial situations because a couple of them, you know, particularly the Drake Stroops, K-State, touchdown right there. Fourth down play, big conversion right there they didn't get. They were all really in these really big moments in games when they happened. And then in TCU, he was really uh, inaccurate in that game. And then the snowballed, obviously, gets knocked out of the game. But, um, you know, for the most part, he's been a pretty solid quarterback for, for Oklahoma. But you got to make a higher percentage of those throws, obviously, down the stretch if you're going to get to where you want to get, which is trying to run the table on the last five games, which they could do if they get better defensively. They could. I don't see I, it happening, but they could. I, I've i got Oklahoma 7-5 and five right now to finish out. I'd say they got a decent shot at 8-4. and four. That to me, that would be really good. Now you look at you look at the remainder of the schedule. I, I like the Sooners' odds going up to Iowa State. I like OU over Baylor. I like them over West Virginia. Oklahoma State, it's a little bit dicey. And if there's one game you should win on the remainder of this slate, it's Texas Tech on Thanksgiving weekend. You think so? Yes. Absolutely. Oh, man. They're playing pretty well, man. They, I think they like their – I'm not taking that one. I, to me, that's almost a toss-up. Well, and again, Now, again, again like, if you're talking about Oklahoma winning the games before then, though, then that changes everything because you'd, you'd have a confident team there going to Lubbock, and uh, we'll see. But Lubbock, man. Is this going to be the last road trip to Lubbock? I hope so. I hope it is. If I never have to visit Lubbock again in my life, I will be just fine with that. I will have no qualms. If I get food poisoning because the Thanksgiving turkey is undercooked and I am laid up on bed rest in the state of Nebraska and cannot make the trip to Lubbock, 
You'll be just fine with that? I will be just fine with it. A couple good things have happened in Lubbock. Uh, Buddy Holly and Bob Knight once chasing the school president, hopping out of a vehicle to chase down the school president on a major thoroughfare there in Lubbock. And then he had the press conference about it. He came to me at the salad bar right here. Bob Knight was diagramming the entire incident. It was great. All right, we'll take a break right here. 405-651-3439. More of your texts on the way. The news about Anthony Evans. Sooner four-star wide receiver commit is going to take an unofficial visit to Georgia. Got Georgia on his mind, Ray Charles. Maybe. We'll talk about that. A little bit later on again, and uh, get Jesse Crittenden's take on it next here on The Ref. We are back on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Joining us, Norman Transcript, sports editor, does a great job covering the Sooners, Jesse Crittenden. And uh, Jesse, back in action this weekend in Ames, Iowa. Oklahoma's now down to a one-point favorite over Iowa State. We were talking about this earlier. We're still trying to figure out what kind of team Oklahoma has. Are they closer to the team in Lincoln, or are they closer to the team in, in Fort Worth, and the Cotton Bowl. What do you think at this point? I mean, that's that's a good question. It's kind of a million-dollar question. That consistency has really been something they've struggled with. I, I think that game against Kansas, um, you know, was was really big for a lot of reasons. I, the defense again struggled, but I do think there was some some improvement there. If you really look into the numbers, um, I definitely think they're better than they played against TCU and Texas. Um, you know, I, I think both those games were, I think, kind of the combination of a bunch of different factors, especially, you know, not having, uh, you know, Dylan Gabriel on offense, not having some key guys on defense like Billy Bowman. But I, I, I think there is still some, some question about how good this team is. And I think, I think this weekend against Iowa State is really going to be telling, uh, particularly defensively. Iowa State for, as competitive as they've been and as really good defensively as they've been, their offense has been really, I mean, their offense has really, really struggled. So I actually think, you know, as good as they were against Kansas at times, I mean, they were without their starting quarterback, things like that. I I actually think this game against Iowa State might be the most telling game of the season in terms of where this OU team actually is. Okay, you mentioned it right there, Jesse. Iowa State, not a great offensive football team. So for Oklahoma, what's – What's the threshold? What's the scoring threshold in your mind? How many points do the Sooners need to put up in order for you to feel really good about their chances to win the football game, regardless of what they're able to do or not do defensively? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I think in I think it's you know trying to look at this objectively, even as good as o, as the OU offense was against Kansas, this Iowa State defense is no joke, and I think I do think the OU offense. It may look bad at times. They they may struggle. I, I mean, I think they'll have some success, but it's going to be a struggle. Um, so, I mean, you know, given OU's defensive struggles as well, I think if you're the OU offense, you can feel pretty good 
um, if you put up anywhere north of 30. I think, you know, 31 to 35 points. Um, if the OU defense does its job and, and limits Iowa State like the other Big 12 opponents have, I think you can feel pretty good about that. But, again, you know, as much as I think this is going to be telling for the defensive side of the ball, it is going to be interesting to see the OU offense go up against probably the best defense in the conference and one of the best defenses in the country. So if you can score north of 30 points, I think you've got to feel good. But, I mean, that is going to be a tough task against a really good Iowa State defense. What was your takeaway about how Brent answered the Billy Bowman question? And do you think there there's a shot that he plays this weekend? Or I, I kind of took it myself like, eh, it doesn't sound real, real optimistic. How did you take it? That, that's kind of the way I took it, and, and I think you know, he was very careful uh, to not say anything you know, super concrete about when his return is going to be. He didn't rule it out either, uh, but it sounds like this, this knee injury of Billy Bowman, it, it, it does sound like it's, it is still continuing to hurt him. I think it's pretty telling that he uh, didn't come back in against TCU. He didn't play against Texas. He didn't play against Kansas. And and I think for an OU defense that was struggling, if he could get back on the field, they would. I mean, he was one of the one of the best defensive players through the first part of the season. So I, I don't think it's impossible. But the way I took it was, I would be surprised if he's on the field this weekend. What's the key offensively for Oklahoma this Saturday, Jesse? Because Iowa State is a tough defensive team. He talked about that, the 3-3-5, the three-man front. Uh, much has been made of it in the job that defensive coordinator John Heacock has done as one of the early adopters and one of the most effective adopters of that particular scheme. So in order for Oklahoma to be able to crack it against this defense that the Cyclones boast – what do you think they need to do, especially in the early stages this Saturday? Yeah, I think that's the thing about this Iowa State defense is they 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 really don't have a weakness. They're in the top twenty nationally in both rushing defense and passing defense. I mean, they're they're really good at doing everything. So I think, given that there's not really a weakness on this team, I think OU's got to go back to you know what kind of gotten them to this point and what the identity of that offense has been. And it's been the running game through all the ups and downs of the season. The, the running game has been pretty consistent and, and pretty solid for them all year. Eric Gray has been kind of a breakout player um, this year in college football. OU still, I mean, they're in, their, they're in the top 15 in rushing offense this season. And I think they're at their best. And we saw it against Kansas as, as good as Dylan Gabriel was at points in that game. Um, it's using the run to open up the pass, make things a little bit easier on Dylan Gabriel. If you can find some consistency like you have most of the year with the running game, I think that's going to be big. And the other thing is just going to be uh, limiting turnovers. And, and I think Dylan Gabriel's performance was, was pretty good against Kansas, but you know had a couple of turnovers that were a little head-scratching considering how good he's been at, at, at not turning the ball over this year. And so I think – and I think those turnovers really put the OU defense in some compromising positions against Kansas. So with an Iowa State defense that's as good as it's as it's been, and it's going to be a struggle just to score, you know, regardless, you can't – I mean, you've got to be able to hang on to the ball, and you can't give an Iowa State offense that's really struggling good field position. You've got to make the Iowa State offense earn it, and you've got to make the defense uh, earn it by stopping you legitimately uh, in between the lines. So I think it's it's the running game and it's and it's trying to limit the turnovers. 
Jesse Crittenden with us, Norman Transcript Sports Editor, joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Before we let you go, I want to get your take on the Big 12. TCU obviously has the inside track to get to Arlington, and you know every game they knock out the starting quarterback, it seems like it's unbelievable uh, how that's worked out for TCU. Um, you've got a huge game between Oklahoma State at Kansas State, and again, the winner there uh, looks like they have you know a good track to Arlington as well as we get ready for November. But uh, what is your take on the Big Twelve and the uh, and the real contenders and how it, it stacks up here over the last five weeks? Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned it. TCU is fully in the driver's seat. I mean, to to have wins, uh, you know, against against Oklahoma State. Um, against Kansas State, I mean they're they're fully in the driver's seat. They control their own destiny. They can even afford to drop a game and still get in. So I mean this has been a really impressive season from TCU. Um, so I mean it, unless you know unless they have some slippage, <laughs> I mean major slippage the rest of the year, I think you can almost pencil them into the game. So it's about that second spot, and I do think it's going to be uh, kind of a brawl for that second spot between Oklahoma State. Kansas State and and maybe even Texas, which uh, <laughs> you know Texas is I think kind of a hard team to pin down too. But uh, you know Texas, if they you know if they win out the rest of the way and get a little bit of help, they could sneak in too. So I I, I think we're going to see some tough games the rest of the way. I mean, heck, even Baylor, uh, Texas Tech, only with the two conference losses, they could find a way. Uh, so I mean, I think this has kind of been uh, you know the maybe the most deep the conference has been in a long time, and 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 with you know a few games left in the season there's still a lot of possibilities a lot of ways this thing can shake out and i think there are four or five teams in the conference that say you know hey we can we can get that second spot we if, you know if we play you know as, as good as we think we can so i think the big 12 might actually be one of the more enthralling conference races in the country right now so i think these last five games are going to be they're going to be pretty interesting. Yeah, and like I said, uh, you know, early in the year, you could tell there are no tap-in putts, man. You used to have one against KU, and you had some that were not very difficult either, but this year you just don't have any in the league. Hey, Jesse, good stuff. We appreciate it. We will talk again soon. Thank you. Appreciate you guys having me on. Jesse Crittenden does a great job for the Norman Transcript, joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Break time right here. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group. In Paul's Valley, America, exit 72, right there off I-35. Great selection. Cars, trucks, SUVs, pre-owned vehicles. They go out and find the very best. They'll give you a great deal on your pre-owned as well. Don't forget the great guarantee. How could you? Oil changes. Engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, coming back. One more segment next here on The Ref. We are back with one more segment. 
Want to thank our friends at Riverwind Casino again. Over 2,800 electronic games, all your favorite table games you will find out at Riverwind Casino. Great poker room, best bars and dining, the Coop Ale House Bar right there in the middle of the casino gaming floor. Awesome. Chips and Ales Pub Restaurant, River Buffet, Steak Night on Friday, Seafood Night on Saturday, and a big-time brunch on Sunday. We've got a great food court over there, great promotions, best concerts and shows, and again, the Bedlam Beats and Bites show is going to be Friday night, November 18th. Wade Bowen and the Eli Young Band. Wade Bowen will open it up around 6.30, and then the Eli Young Band to follow. Tickets are only 5 bucks at the box office and at riverwind.com. It'll be outside, under the stars, food trucks everywhere, all the best local food trucks. Bring your folding chairs, bring the kids. It's a kid-friendly environment. Riverwind Casino also has a great promotion for new Wild card members, the new member seven, new patrons who sign up for a wild card can earn up to $450 in one day. It is a big time promotion. They've always got great promotions. October 28th, uh, coming up on Friday night, they've got a big uh, costume contest. Go out there, get registered with your costume, and you could win $500 in bonus play. Three people are going to win $500 in bonus play. Riverwind's always got something great going on. They're undergoing a little bit of a renovation right now. Place looks incredible. They're they're getting close to being done with that, but Riverwind is only getting better. All right. Uh, do we want to get uh, – by the way, the big news of the day really for, for Sooner fans is that Anthony Evans, the OU wide receiver commit out of Converse Judson in Texas, one of the – Fastest wide receivers in high school football in this 2023 class. And really, he was one of the Sooners' most recent commits. Ian McCarry Vickers, that was it, man. How long has that been, Parker? It seems like a year August ago now. August 26th. So we are two months of the day. Wow. Two How months of the that? day from the last commitment. Yeah, because it was – remember the word was, well, Georgia, man, look, could be leading on Anthony Evans all of a sudden. And uh, it was looking like it was going George's way early in the day. And then later, Oklahoma got it turned around again. He commits to Oklahoma. It was a great day for OU to get Vickers and Evans. Uh, Sooner fans were celebrating. And then today, we get the report that Anthony Evans is going on a unofficial visit to Athens, Georgia, uh, November 5th for the game uh, between the Bulldogs and Tennessee. So, panic meter at what out of 10? Parker Thune for OU fans. Where yeah. should it be? Four out of ten on this one. I, mean, I, I would say it's not cause for panic yet, just because he's got family out in Georgia. It's a high-profile football game. Is it ideal that he is taking this visit at all? No, but keep in mind, Anthony Evans wanted to be at Oklahoma more than he wanted to be at Georgia. Everybody around him wanted him to be at Georgia. When you're talking about his family, just because of all the ties that they have to the area, but... Anthony Evans wanted to be a Sooner. I, I don't get the sense that has changed. So, I, this visit alone is not enough for me to start jamming the panic button and saying you should be freaking out about Anthony Evans. And we played it out. Worst case scenario, let's say, all right, you know, maybe down the road, let's say again, worst case, Anthony Evans decommits from Oklahoma, and you think the Sooners would go in the direction of Micah T's first, right? And change their tune about him being recruited as a wide receiver, or maybe it would, maybe it might, I, maybe they might get back in on Malachi Coleman yeah, if that I would, happens. No, I would think that the first recourse would be to just start recruiting Micah Tease as a wideout, because again, that's kind of your ace in the hole. 
if you're Oklahoma. You know you got that car that you can always play. You lose a wide receiver, you just turn around, say, Micah, come on down, and he's a Sooner. It, would he be that firm on Oklahoma yes. if they keep coming back to him and saying, yes. you know, because that's kind of like you don't get to, you know, you ask the best looking cheerleader out to the prom, <laughs> you have the best looking cheerleader committed to the prom, and then you go back to somebody else and say, uh, do you want to go to the prom? Okay, but that's somebody. Here's the thing. You have to keep in mind that that somebody else has been in love with you since kindergarten, so they don't much oh, care. Okay, there you go. Well, that that's well put right there. You always, uh, kids, you need a fallback option, all right? <laughs> I'm just oh, saying because you never know what could happen in a high school. You may think that you're going to the prom with whoever, but guess what? Things can change quickly. They, You might get a decommitment for the prom. They could decommit. It can happen. So you better have somebody else on your recruiting list, preferably this, a five-star. This listener says, wow, Thune, you are the most naive person in the world. Bookmark this text. Evans and Vosick are gone. Well, all right, then. I guess that settles it. Move on. The previous, the last tweet from that individual was September 12th and says, wow, you are naive, goon. But he did, I will say this, I was going to say hillbilly, but at least he got the contraction in that you're, you are. So, I don't think Small it's, victories. Yeah, it's that's right, yeah. So, anyway. So, is it safe to say BV's no-visit policy is case-specific, says one listener? Look, I, I don't know. There have been a lot of things that the OU staff has proclaimed ever since they got here that ended up well, – how, how do I say this? They displayed some wiggle room further on down the line. Like there was the whole thing about them not wanting to offer any 2025 kids until this coming spring, and then they ended up offering like 12 or 15 2025 kids before that point, which – I think you have to do because you got to be in on a lot of these guys early. But that was a whole thing that that was that was something that OU supposedly was going to be real firm on, and then it didn't take long for them to budge. So, yeah, I would see. I would say there very obviously is a little bit of wiggle room with this policy, evidently. Yeah. Okay. Um, can I make a bold prediction, or it, it may be a really stupid prediction, but okay, I'm going sure. to make this right here. You can chart it. All right. Write this down. In the end, okay, it's Bob Stoops. So in the end, Colton Vosick will be a Longhorn. Anthony Evans will be at Georgia. And David Hicks will be at Oklahoma. And I think if that happens, OU fans would be content. Like, Would you trade Colton Vosick and Anthony Evans for DJ Hicks? I think most fans would say yes. All right, put that one down. I'm going to write that here in the book, the Book of Predictions. Vosick will end up at Texas, Evans at Georgia, Hicks to OU when it's all said and done. Because things are crumbling in College Station. It depends on how big that, you know, investment was into his – I don't know. Do you think the parents have Venmo or just into a regular account? Somebody called Jimbo Venmo Fisher the other day. <laughs> I like it. And I, I thought it was hilarious. That's good. How did I not think of that? That is really good. All right, we got to get out of here. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group. Thank you to uh, the one, the only, Riverwind Casino. And thank you for all the texts. Let's get locked in next.